my radical dream is a world where people with different ideas have a place in politics. As someone from a third party, I feel like there are great ideas that are not being explored in the way the world should work. And I'm hoping that with talking about intellectual elitism and political correctness that it helps the cause. Welcome to Dream Radically Podcast, brought to you by Foundation for Liberating Minds. Dreaming radically is a necessity if we are to reach a world of liberation for all marginalized peoples. Imagining the world we want to see and then fighting like hell to go and get it. Dream radically is a hope, a strategy, a goal of altering the status quo in our quest for social transformation. Join us on this journey. Let's dream. Hi, y'all. My name is Kelly Pyron Alvarez, and I'm an educational specialist with Foundation for Liberating Minds. I will be your host today. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode. Today, I'm joined by fellow FLM member Dara Gandhi. Today, we'll be talking about intellectual elitism and political correctness. Hello, everyone. My name is Dara. I'm a psychology major at OU with a minor in history and women's and gender studies, and I'm the LGBTQ plus education member of FLM. Before we get too deep in the conversation, I kind of want you to explain what you mean by intellectual elitism for the listeners that aren't really familiar with this concept. Intellectual elitism is the idea that a person is endowed with intellectual prowess beyond the average person. It usually um, is a self-identifying feature. So like the idea that we're born smart? Yeah, the idea that you're born smart, but also the idea that some people are better than others because of their intellect. Okay, so like a kind of an arrogance that comes with being educated. Yes. Especially if it's a higher degree. Yes. And it isn't necessarily like IQ. It can just be education levels. And that's kind of what type of intellectual elitism I'm referring to today. What are some of the issues that you see with intellectual elitism? It is the fact that not everyone has the money or time to get an education. It is a socioeconomic and systematic problem. Education is a privilege, but it shouldn't be. It limits ideas given to the world by people who have the ability to get an education, leaving a wide variety of people out of the equation. Intellectual elitists kind of like leave out a lot of groups of people. You see this in colleges where in when you're in like a discussion class and you're discussing texts and readings and stuff, you lose perspective. I also believe intellectual elitism is one of the factors that led to Trump winning the election. And I think this is important to talk about because back in 2016, many people were confused because all the polls showed that Hillary was going to win. Universities have always been a place that had inspired progressive ideology. Many people who are higher educated tend to be more left-leaning. These divisions and ideological differences in socioeconomic status have been becoming more and more pronounced over the past years to the point where in the case of COVID-19 police brutality, and Trump's recent temper tantrums attacking left-wing people is also attacking facts and knowledge. So going back to the ideological differences in socioeconomic status, it's important to point out that over the years, education has cost more than in previous years. And the amount which they're charging tuition and fees just keeps going up and up. To Trump supporters, they play into the reality of denying intellect really well. 
to the point where they have become anti-knowledge and anti what academia stands for, even if and when they stand for some good things. This is academia's fault because they have become intellectually narcissistic in their ideas. This is a problem because people are actively hurting others due to the harm this causes, and this is why praying at educational differences is harmful too. Yeah, I see like intellectual elitism kind of working in both ways, right? Like you were saying, there's a large group of people who have never been to college that don't really know what goes into that process. And so they think that anyone that does go automatically thinks that they're better than everyone else. And so those that haven't gone can sometimes look down upon people that do go just because of preconceived notions about going to college. And I think that increases with the more degrees someone has, Mm -hmm. the more that animosity increases. This is true. And this is why people ignore doctors and LGBTQ folks on issues such as like vaccines, LGBTQ rights, and even racial rights too. Over the years, people have grown to almost hate academia, a large group of people, and we don't talk about it because they're left out of the equations. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, also, as you said, a part of that too is like people in academia, right? It's really easy to kind of get lost in the system I remember when I started one of my master's degrees, one of the professors stood up and told us, your family, your personal life, everything comes second. Grad school comes first. Your classes, your coursework, your writing, that is the first priority. Your family comes after that. And they should expect to not see you very often. It was really weird because, you know, thankfully that was my second master's and I already knew. I'm like, that's not the way this should be. We shouldn't be sacrificing our family We shouldn't be sacrificing our community to get a degree. You know, some people don't know that or they're not explicitly told those things. And so they're like, okay, and they slowly start to lose themselves because there's this idea we have to keep working. We have to keep pushing through. We have to do more and more and more and more. And it's draining. And then we get so lost in the academic mindset that we forget that we're supposed to be relating what we're learning back to our communities. Otherwise, what's the point of learning it? Some people never get out of that mindset. And so they're always stuck in the ivory tower of academe. And they're like, well, hey, like, this is the way it's always been. It's worked. Like, this is what it means to get a PhD. This is what it means to be a professor. This is the way things go. This is the way it's going to keep going. You got to deal with it. And it's not right. But then we see like community members are like, well, like you're going to school. You're so stuck up. You don't have time for us. It's like, well, no, because I have to do all this work. And then that furthers that divide, right? So it's on both sides that this animosity builds, that this resentment builds, and there's no even need, there's not a need for it, right? People tend to get lost in the sauce about what they believe almost. You know, they just look for ways to validate their own beliefs. Actually, when I was writing this podcast, I talked to my uncle, he's a libertarian like me, about this podcast. And Well, he roasted me. He completely roasted me. He's a doctor and he's like, well, Dara, you cannot say anything that will prove anybody in academia's points about anything in this podcast. He told me to leave out the stuff about Trump and I didn't for several reasons. For one, I feel like people should be able to listen to the whole thing. You know, I expect better out of people than maybe my uncle does. And two, I also think that going back to what you said about animosity building like he's a doctor he's been through so much and things have changed since he was in school probably 
I remember growing up, my family was very intellectually narcissistic. They're like, you come from a family where women have gone to college for several generations, Dara, and you're expected to do the same. And so I grew up with this idea in my head that like only smart people went to college, but this isn't the case anymore, especially with the rising cost of college. There's plenty of people who aren't necessarily educated, but know about the world in ways that even I don't understand. There's so many different types of intellect. And I feel like academia ignores that. Academia only focuses on what academia is good at and that it's academia's fault. Definitely. And, you know, we're kind of like trash talking academia right now. It was like, I'm working on a PhD, right? It's not across the board, right? It's not a universal thing. It's not every single person in academia behaves this way or thinks this way. But a large portion of people do. And I think that makes a difference, right? You have to find the professors and the people in the system that aren't really stuck on this idea that we are the elite, right? That we should think that we're better than everyone else, or we should make sacrifices, or we should focus on the academy and not our communities. So I just want to clarify, we're not saying that every single person is this way that's in the academy. It's just an idea that is prevalent. And there are quite a few people pushing back against that. This is excellent. Um, I'm glad that that is the case. I really feel like people who say that you need to sacrifice family and community, that's a failure on your family and community. Your academia then serves no purpose. Because if you're just bolstering each other, like my uncle said I would do if I talked about Trump winning the election back in 2016, because he asked me who this audience was for. I was like, well, this is primarily a progressive audience that would be listening to this podcast. And I mean, to be fair, too, there's a lot of politics that take place in education that we have to navigate as well. So even with a progressive audience, sometimes like things are taken or interpreted differently. Right. So there's no way around like not offending someone on this issue. (laughs) No, there there really isn't. I feel like I wanted to do this topic, though, because I wanted to see if people can look past the politics, look at what's good for everyone. And I mean everyone. And I think what would be good for everyone is a world where people making decisions are not necessarily the ones who have to have a degree to do so, who are not necessarily old, who are not necessarily white, who are not necessarily such gender. So I know you also wanted to talk about a little bit about political correctness. How does political correctness relate to this idea of intellectual elitism? They kind of go hand in hand in a way. You're talking about the ivory tower of education. It's all related. They stem from the same line of reasoning. I am better than you because I do this. It's narcissism in its truest form. It all comes down to a more superiority complex that the left is infamous for. And I think the way that we're talking about political correctness, especially in relation to intellectual elitism, kind of challenges the way we define political correctness. So what kind of definition are you working with with this so that we get a better idea of what it really means to be political correct? I'm going to kind of go on a tangent here. Political correctness, I was reading, stems from a Supreme Court case back in 1798. And since then, it has changed definitions. Back in the 30s and 40s, it was considered ideological orthodoxy almost because of the way they were portraying the Great Depression trying to look like a unified front or World War II. 
trying to look like a united front and you wouldn't want to go against that you don't want to go against the government right but now it is a definition that's a little bit different it's changed over the years today it's most often referred to intentionally structuring your language and behavior to be more conscious of other groups okay so what does that look like in the academy in academic settings, I'm quite critical of political correctness as a concept because not only is it ideological orthodoxy, which I'm kind of against, I, I am talking about trying to expand ideas. So it kind of doesn't fit in with that. It kind of falsifies hope to diverse communities in a way. It's sort of hypocrisy. Essentially, it's like the common liberal that doesn't want to look racist kind of thing. So it's a lot about appearances and falling in line with what the people that came before you had to say is kind of what I'm getting. Yes. So not a lot of variation in thought or practices, not a lot of pushing boundaries as far as creating new ideas and new ways of thinking or performing education. Yes. And also it refers to trying to be conscious of other groups of people, like how we have like diversity training at OU and stuff that goes over how to deal with incidences with people that you're not normally around. But at the same time, if you tell someone who's racist not to say the N-word or something, does it really help? Is he going to vote the way you want to vote? No. Is he going to be a person you want to still be around? No, you can see through that. And I don't want to hurt anyone by saying any of this. You know, it's just fact, though. As a person of color, I just feel like someone asking me invasive questions like about my religion or about where my parents are from, you know, trying to get around the racial question. It's just it's just harmful. It's hurtful. It is just a way to placate my feelings almost about many topics. Yeah, and oftentimes it's just performative anyway. There's not a good intention behind asking like, hey, like, what is your background so that I can better relate to you? Like, usually that's not the intent. It's like, what's your background? So I can tell people either I know someone from this background, I have such and such friends, or just start to instigate something. Right, exactly. Why are these such important issues to you, political correctness and intellectual elitism? They are important issues to me because getting rid of these factors and social justice circles would help many causes. Some of the problems set by political correctness kind of play into that, too. It has created a culture where to subvert the notions set by society at large in some spaces, cross-cultural interactions have created new artificial ways of dealing with situations that create barriers in communication. In cultures where it's expected to follow PC culture, people feel like they're being judged, worry about others not seeing them as a person but as a representative of a social identity group. Um, while it's traditionally helped underrepresented groups of people find footing wherever they go, PC culture can hinder someone's ability to communicate effectively and honestly like in a workplace. So just cut past the bullshit. Say who you are up front almost. And if you are a person that supports LGBTQ causes, race issues, and more, gaming of intellectual elitism will not only allow you to relate to many different groups of people, people that you might not be able to talk to if you go around acting like a big-footed person with a doctorate in like women's and gender studies or something not to call out anybody but in a joking manner of course but it will allow more barriers to be removed and educate others about these issues and obtain a wider following of people who honestly support these causes there are many people especially in like 
people that are not well educated that support LGBTQ causes, but they might not say the right words. Or people that will cancel them over not using the right words. And I just think that's really harmful to the cause. Like, why not make as many friends as you can? You can educate people nicely, but while saying that, there's a point where you do need to, like, cancel someone. That is something that needs to be done because some people are just malicious in their intentions. Definitely. And I think, like, this happens a lot, too, like, this disconnect between these two different conversations. It's the same conversation, but the language is different. So I have a friend, you know, I'll talk to him sometimes about things that I do and ideas that I have about, you know, race or social justice or anything like that. And he's like, well, I don't know what that word is, but this is what I'm thinking. And he's just explaining the concept. I'm like, yeah, that, that's exactly what that is. That's just the word that we use in academic circles. He's like, yeah, well, it doesn't go out past the academy, right? So we need to find ways to kind of bridge that gap that way. We're not practicing elitism, right? Even even if it's unintentional. And then we're building this relationship with the community so that they don't see us as pretentious jerks. Basically, yeah, that's that's essentially it. That's my aim here. There's a lot of work that's going to have to go into that, I think. you know. And I just say that as I'm the only person in my family that, in my immediate family, I'm the only one with a college degree, much less graduate degrees right? There's this huge disconnect. But we, you know, we figure out how to make it work sometimes. And, you know, my sister's pretty good at reminding me, like, I don't know what that word means. And I'm like, is that a big word? Am I using language that most people don't know? Um, So it kind of makes me pause and think, right? Because I don't want to alienate my family, but I want them to understand things too. So like, we have to figure out how to work with one another to share ideas in ways that are beneficial to both of us. Because, I mean, to be real, if the work we're doing in the academy doesn't help our communities, what's the point? Yeah, that, that's what I was saying earlier. Cut past the bullshit, almost. Yeah. Like, um, people in the psychedelic communities have found for a long time that psychedelics help depression, help mental health issues. And with the recent addition to as to ketamine treatment it actually helps you build brain connections and stuff but it was once a club drug in the 80s but people in underground culture kind of already knew that why do we need someone with a degree telling us how we should live our lives and coming from a family that also was intellectually narcissistic in a way um helps me really hate this perspective you know hate and i don't mean extremely dislike some people try to hide past hate And I think you can do that, but also when you come from years of just brainwashing about how the world works because of issues within your family, that you gain a new perspective too. All right. Thank you, Dara, for joining us today. We've had a great conversation and I look forward to working with you in the future. All right. Me too. Peace. Thank you for listening to Dream Radically Podcast, brought to you by the Foundation for Liberating Minds. Learn more about the work of Foundation for Liberating Minds at our website, foundationforliberatingminds.org, our social media pages at Foundation4LM, and consider getting connected with the podcast and all our members by supporting this work through our Patreon, patreon.com slash foundation4LM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod wherever you're listening. Power and may tomorrow bring us closer to our radical dreams.